Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We are back with another edition of the Flow Track podcast. My name is Kevin Selle, joined by Lincoln Shrike. Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on the website flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast. Lincoln, hello. How are you on this Tuesday? Uh, doing pretty well. You started out a little uh, monotone. I th- are, are, you, are you losing steam in quarantine right now, month three? Tuesdays are the new Mondays because I have a lot of energy coming into the week and then Monday mm-hmm. saps me and then I have to rebound. Also, I'm just experimenting with different ways to open the show. So yeah. I'm going to write down, didn't like that one. So that one does not work. So we will okay. scrap that one. I'm going to make a yeah. note in my iPhone. Lincoln says more energy. Okay. There's Thank a you for the feedback. To be struck. We don't want too much energy. Then you're having too much fun during quarantine. I wanted to ask you, how's your, how's your running been going? Have you still been running with a mask? I have not been running with a mask because I've been avoiding large groups, which per everything I've read, if you are staying out of the way of people, then I think you're okay to do that. The last time I wore it was I think the time I told you about where I felt like I was in some deathly altitude chamber. Um, yeah. and, but now I've, I've subsequently avoided people. I didn't go down to Town Lake on the weekend my brother did and apparently everybody did and it was extremely packed and not everybody was going the same direction so you had a lot of that's not a very wide path as is so yeah i'm not running in spots like that the running is i could hit and i'll I'll break this news right now i don't know if i'm going to do it but i'm on course to hit my first 40 mile week in a very long time i've been building and building and building i think i was off the, the Strava truthers will have to check me on this one. I haven't plugged in my watch from last week, but I think I was at 35 or 36. So I'm ready for that incremental bump up to 40 this week. But I didn't. Careful. I took yesterday off, so I'd have I'd have to do 40 in six days, which is risky for me. Hey, 40 is a, is a big milestone when you reach, you know, the inactivity stage that we have reached. That's like that's like the hundred. 
that's like a, <laughs> a conversion. It's like a hundred mile conversion for people who are north of 30 and have multiple kids like, and who aren't running competitively. Uh, so I applaud you for that. I try to, I'm in the 15 to 20 ballpark, but I've recently moved as avid listeners will know. So I'm exploring new running routes. I moved to a mm-hmm. smaller town and so there are less people out. So there, is, there are benefits to uh, to small town living. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about my new r- running uh, routes, although I do need a new pair of running shoes. Mm-hmm. I know in previous editions of this podcast, I touted that you don't need to buy running shoes as frequently as running shoe <laughs> brands would tell you. But now I've gone past that and I think my shoes heard me and now are making me pay for that because I'm just starting to feel the concrete a lot more on my legs. And so I would like to get a new pair of shoes. But you know, 120, 140 bucks. That's just, uh, I don't know. It's just an expense. I'm just, I'm wavering on right now. I guess I could get a cheaper pair, but my legs are my, 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 you know, eight thirty to nine minute per mile pace legs are used <laughs> to high class shoes and I don't want to go down from there. So tough decisions ahead when it comes to my running career. When you run in a small town, it's always tricky because you run out of town very quickly. You run out of places to run. Is that the situation you're finding? Um, I have not yet. Keep in mind, my runs are three to five miles. So I do, I'm a loop type of a guy. So I have, um, you know, one of my loops is I go to a park. It's a half a mile away. And then I loop around and a big, long stretch of my run, believe it or not, is on a street called Main Street. Not exactly, that's not exactly surprising. It's uh, on brand for a small town. It's the biggest street in the city, Main Street. So yeah, I did a loop around a park and uh, and then down Main Street. So I, yes, easily, if you're trying to do eight or nine, you're gonna be mm-hmm. uh, out, on the, out on the country roads and, and leaving the city limits. Um, but I haven't ventured that far yet. As I said, my shoes are threadbare, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm really liking that three to five mile uh, sweet spot. I just get tired easily now, as opposed to and it, the runner's high. If I ever got it, I, I no longer get that. I get that when I take my first <laughs> sip of water when I come back home. That's when I get mm-hmm. my runner's high. I'm getting to the point where I want to write down my workouts ahead of time for the week, so I hold myself accountable to them, and oh, I actually have a yeah. plan. As mm-hmm. opposed to, oh, I'll just see how many miles I can run. Because if you do that, it always ends up being fewer than you actually oh, absolutely. should run. Yeah. Oh, but definitely. I've been doing, the last two weeks I've done, air quotes for those who are not watching on the site, a speed session, one speed session per week as well too, which oh, has wow. just been 10 by one minute, which was fun. I mean, like when you are just doing miles all the time and you actually do a little bit of speed and you're like, oh, wow, this like pass the time a little bit quicker when I did yeah. an actual structured workout. It's it's there's some fun to be had there. I'm not hopping into eight by 800 on the track or anything like that, but it was, it was a good change of pace and I'm looking forward to doing more of that. My problem is the schedule is just so hectic. One time I'm running at nine at night, the next time I'm running at you know, eight 30 in the morning, I'm pushing a stroller. I'm not pushing a stroller. I have a cotton mask over my face. I don't have a cotton <laughs> mask over my face. It really, it ranges. It ranges right now, yeah, but I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to hopefully hitting 40 this week and just becoming a new person. That's really what I'm hoping. Um, and do I have do like have a, new. Sh- you have new. Shoes. I have new shoes on the way. Is what I was going to say. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do you have like a 
uh, mark beyond 40 that you're trying to hit? Are you going to try to get to 50? Or are we going to be like 100 mile Kevin by the end of this uh, period of quarantine? I don't think my body could take it. The most I've ever done is yeah. 70. That was many, many years ago. What What's the mark of like, where would you respect me? What miles per week would you be like, oh man, Kevin's, well, Kevin's really doing something. 50, I feel like 50 is the marker for your training for something. And I know you're not, at least last time I spoke to you about this, you're not necessarily doing that. But I feel like if you're above 50, you're like, you you probably need to be having a race on the calendar or, or you know, you're, okay. you know, you're not doing it. Like you can run 40 miles a week on accident. I know you're not doing it by accident, but like you could do it yeah. and be like, oh, wow, we ran seven several times this week and got in five everywhere else. So I ran over 40 miles a week. Uh but but you know above that you're you're kind of planning and you and it probably indicates that you're working towards a race of some sort. Um, so I would respect you at over. I mean I'll I respect you now if you're going to go to forty because I haven't hit forty in a long time. But uh, fifty would be some serious business. All right, I'll I I value your opinion enough to make mm -hmm. that my goal Most of fifty. Do. I'll I'll keep chipping away at the ten percent increase. The problem that we're running into here in Texas. In, or as you like to call it, North Central, Northeast <laughs> Central Texas, <laughs> is it's getting warm. And it's probably yeah, the case throughout the rest of the country. And that's going to slap us right in the face because yep. then my available hours to run really dwindle, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you either got to go extremely early or extremely late in the day. And that's tough. That's tricky when you're trying to get out the door. And yeah. you're trying to find motivation, but I don't know. I guess I just got, we did some runs last year. And for those who don't know, and this is the first time listening to your, this podcast, this podcast is basically about Lincoln and I running. Um, that's what we've turned mm -hmm. it into in case you're confused. Yeah, people want to hear about Remember, subpar runners. <laughs> We're going to talk about Danny Jones going pro in a second. Um, mm, yeah, we'll get to that. Who's better? Insignificant who, news. <laughs> no. Okay. So do you remember last year? During the summer, a couple times you joined me on some 3 p.m. runs during the summer. Do you remember that? Uh, by the trail near our office? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those were like really painful because it was mm -hmm. what, 95, 96 degrees, sometimes almost 100. Yeah. But if you did four miles, like if you got through it, it felt like you had just run 10. And then oh, when yeah. I would run on the weekends, when I would run on the weekends at 7 in the morning or 6 in the morning, it was just, it was like coming down to low altitude again. It was amazing. <laughs> like I, I had so much more energy just because like the, the heat acc acclimation was, uh, was tremendous. So if I did it once, I can do it again. It just is, man, when that, the humidity is just a blanket and the sun is relentless in the summer here. What is it? Live high, train low, or what? what is it? Train, mm -hmm. train high, li live low, or something like that. Live uh, high, train low. Live high, train low. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so kind Live of cool train hot yeah kind of did that yeah i mean summer in austin runs from about mid-april to october so uh, it's real nice it's nice to be in that yeah. it's nice to step out from being in your house all day to i don't know i guess it's better i mean the benefit this year i know we wanted to have two straight in Sibley championships in austin but you don't have to ride in my non-air-conditioned 2007 <laughs> yaris to the NCAA <laughs> championships. 
Uh, so uh, there is I'm some like just minor, thinking about it. Yeah, I'm sweats just you and I nearly, stuck on the 35. <laughs> yeah, nearly a year since then, I still have not added air conditioning to the vehicle. So uh, luckily, that car is mostly uh, out of commission right now. Don't need it. So that's a that's slight silver lining to uh, all this. Might might be time to upgrade on the. I don't know how the temperatures in northeast central Austin, but here in northeast Austin, it's uh, it's getting it's getting the AC is necessary. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. So we're not going to get that. We're probably not going to get that second Austin NCAA championship, which I'm sure some people like that. Some people don't like that. I mean, the sprints were fantastic, and the distance races they serve. You know, they they happen. Nobody nobody got hurt, at least to my knowledge. I think that when that event went off without a hitch and I sure enjoyed having it in our in our backyard or I should say mm -hmm. in our garden uh so <laughs> yeah if they skip over that because of the lost year it's going to be a little bit of a bummer yeah all sorts of all sorts of weird stuff happening in the calendar let's talk Danny Jones right as Gordon and I were recording mid-recording the news broke that she's turning professional and then later on in the day said that she'll be training in Boulder with Joe Bossarge group, which includes Emma Coburn, among other numerous fast women in that group. Um, thoughts? Not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not altogether surprised. No, of course not. Not entirely surprised. Um, you know, Gordon and I speculated a couple weeks ago that she might sign with Bowerman Track Club. That obviously is not going to happen. But she is going to stick around, do the familiar thing kind of also actually you know what it's a mild surprise it's not when you like in hindsight because you see oh she's staying in boulder and joining a group that includes uh, a world champion in emma mm -hmm. coburn but at the same time she didn't go to bowerman track club and she's not staying with mark wetmore and heather burrows so she's leaving two of the top choices i would say uh but you can't argue with the recent string of success that emma coburn has had with boss hard uh, of course her husband uh, he has made a name for himself in a, you know, coaching career that's only spanned maybe three to five years. So he, and they yeah. built quite the contingent there in Boulder. Uh, so that's a, that's quite the signing for the, I'd say maybe not a signing, but it's quite the get for them. That'll be another good training partner for Coburn. And, and that should elevate Danny Jones as she goes on to a pro career, of course, in this uncertain economy, she doesn't have a, a sponsor just yet, but, uh, I assume that's coming down the pipeline. When is the question that no one seems to know between athletes, agents, people that speculate about it like us? We don't really know, but she's got an agent. She's got a training group. Uh, she's in a good position other than not having not having a paycheck yet, but uh, that should be to come. Yeah. Well, I'm refreshing the social feeds right now. I don't want to get scooped again and have a uh, mid midway through get the brand Gosh, darn it. the brand out there but yeah i think i mean it makes a ton of sense now monson and jones both gone i'm i'm bummed because i wanted to see the end of the college career i wanted to see what she would have done at that indoor meet and then if she ran outdoors she would have added a 1500 title so she basically would have had every single distance accounted for except the 10,000 and the steeplechase if she pulled off the the upset indoors and was able to win the 800 and then yeah. of course hold serve in the mile that would have been that would have been a tough double and then if she went outdoors and won the 1500 which would have been obviously doable it would have been a legendary collegiate career that was obviously all all upended 
So makes the makes the decision to to go pro. I think I mean with these pro groups, it's kind of interesting, like how much of it is just training versus how much of it is just like putting yourself around people who have been there, done that. And in that sense, it makes sense to you have a world champion there. Like Emma Coburn will know a lot about the circuit. She'll be able to give her advice and feedback. Not that she wouldn't have been able to figure out on her own, but it would certainly would speed up that process. And then there's a lot of people, just a bunch of people to train with who are at her level, near her level, more so than, than she would get at, at Colorado. Um, so I would expect another, another step up here going into the, the abbreviated well, whatever season we have next year, I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. How much do you think? How much do you think her decision to go pro and or her ability to get signed will be impacted by Gordon selecting her first in the hypothetical track and field draft when he picked her last well, week? I've heard through no sources that she was <laughs> wanting to come back to Colorado, but she listened to that episode and she said, if I'm going first, like I can't return to school. If I'm going first, the money is too big to pass up the notoriety way too, too big. And, uh, so she listened to that and she decided to make the leap. You know, that's, that's exactly don't, what it was. Don't, if she would have like, like, like fallen out of the, you. if she, she would have fallen out of the top you. two, you know, maybe not, but Guaranteed First money. Pick, yeah, yeah, gotta go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. well-deserved first pick, too. I mean, Gordon got yeah. the first selection. That's who I would have gone with. I, I countered with the Aikens there. But, yeah, the collegiate scene yeah. is just going to be um, much different in the distances and, and mid-distances um, next year. And because I'm, I'm assuming we haven't heard the last of people going pro, right? Like, I the big names not. are leaving, and then that's just going to – make space up for 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 other folks well in the in the fast women newsletter where she kind of announced her decision uh she mentioned that her her and her former teammates had talked about this together so joe klecker and mckenna morley so i could see i mean klecker's you know the bigger fish there i could see him coming soon as well there uh that just seems to be it we 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 wondered are the big names, you know, in months past, are the big names going to try to come back or are yeah. they going to turn professional? And obviously so far we're two for two with turning professional. I feel like this is now the invoke decision. I don't think we should underestimate the, you know, the trends set by the bigger name and what that does for other athletes. I think they're mm -hmm. going to say, I'm going to make the jump. Um, especially when you don't know what, it's going to look like coming back. I mean, we don't know what next season for the NCAA holds and you don't want to go too long without having raced into which maybe your, uh, your status, your potential attractability as a, as an athlete is lessened by the fact that you haven't raced in several months. It's probably best to turn pro, uh, which, which I feel like that's what these athletes are, are looking at, even without signing with, with brands. Um, you, you, you want to, be as close to your last race as possible when you sign your professional contracts. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe that's what these athletes are, are looking to do. And of course, with these seniors too, you have to figure out other logistics that we're not even necessarily talking about, like school and do I need to transfer? Yeah. And is there a program for me of which I want to, you know, 
get into a, a certain field or, or, you know, studies. Um, and, and so that could all be that they and so I'd tend to other uh other ends of, of running that being professional running the event that she's going to wade into probably 1500 right that's a it's a tough squad to make right now that is going to be See, incredibly I would, difficult i would run the i would run the 5000 if i was her i think that's actually her best distance okay that one's also hard though that was the that was what i was also going to reveal to you 5000 right now in the us also hard <laughs> It's hard, but it's not Shelby Houlihan, Jenny Simpson hard. It's Chris Swiser, right. L. Purrier, and uh, Rachel Snyder hard. I think that's a different game. Yeah, it's it's and you Vanessa need to be, Frazier, Vanessa Frazier too. Yeah, you you need to be well under fourteen fifty like shape hard. That's what the and reality can, is too. I think she can do that. I definitely think she can. I don't know about well under, but I think she's she can run in the fourteen fifties outdoors. Really? Yeah, I mean that's what it's going to take. It's just, uh, are you saying that just because the cross country title combined with the the finishing speed just bumped well? Up? I mean, she ran fifteen seventeen indoors, um, yeah. and you know who knows? Maybe in a race where the person in front of her is isn't Jenny Simpson, well out and ahead. Maybe in a race, a la the the you know uh, the Bruce Lahane or whatever whatever meet that was uh, the. I don't know, Sharon Call. I forget my BU meets confused. BU, but the BU Sharon Collier, Collier. There you go. December first, fastest five thousand, east of the Mississippi and also west of the go. Mississippi Classic. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brought to you by Staples, uh, where you can get all your uh, <laughs> work from home supplies. Okay. Uh, if she would have been in that race, maybe you know that's being paced for the fifteen teens. Maybe she runs a little bit quicker. I mean, that's whatever. We're that's splitting hairs. I think though get her outdoors training in a professional group where she's looking up to athletes instead of being the the top athlete i think you're, she's mm -hmm. going to drop time precipitously and and we're going to see her be faster i just think you know last year in the 1500 she didn't make the final it's it's just it's just, it's a hard event and uh the 5000 is i i I, th I just think it's a better distance for her um she's won cross country mm -hmm. she won the 5000 title last year after missing the indoor season i mean what more evidence do we need that she's uh, uh she thrives in the longer distances she kind of has the chris swizer type of a resume where swizer great in the mile indoors in college ran 427 but did not get confused that she was a miler she said i'm better i've won cross country i've won the mm -hmm. 5000 that's kind of my distance i think that's the same route jones should take and uh we'll see i mean maybe she, maybe she knows something i don't and maybe her coach will know something i don't but i i i think her path forward right now easier path forward is in that 5000 well, they definitely know more than you. That's that's clearly well, established every time on the show. Who's uh, making that claim? I mean, I'm not. <laughs> well, it, training partner wise, I mean, then she's got Dominique Scott, Eford, mm -hmm. Aisha Pratt. I mean, a lot of those women are good in multiple events. It's not just like they're they're stone cold specialists in one thing. Emma Coburn famously has not run a five thousand, much to Gordon's mm. dismay. Um, that's that's a big goal for for 2021. Um, so yeah, it's not like she'll be. There's one event group that she'll be slotted into. Perhaps she'll try some fifteens, some some fives. Um, she went to Colorado, so it's like, hey, you got to do at least one steeple, right? Isn't that required? 
by every Colorado I, Buffalo at some point. She could be a great steepler. I I'm, I mean, she great 15, great 5,000. Maybe she doesn't like the jumping. I don't know. Some people <laughs> don't like water. Um, but, yeah. you know, there are basically there don't like water. four or five people that have a legitimate shot to make this a steeple team any given mm-hmm. year. And I know it's really pretty lock solid with that top three, but – yeah. She's got the talent to mix it up. Don't think she's going to be transitioning. If you haven't made your steeple debut by 23, unless you're Evan Jager, uh, tends to not work out in the steeple. So uh, I think 15 or 5 is probably her bread and butter. I know Sinclair Johnson went pro last year, but was just announced where she's going. Compare, contrast, like whose career right now do you take going forward, Jones or... Johnson or what would be the difference between the between the two well um Johnson's run too flat in 403 those are pretty attractive even if her body of work isn't quite as high um Mm. gosh that's a tough call um you know Johnson showed she could come very close to making a team at like 21 or 22. Yeah. Um, but, but Jones is more accomplished and I have no doubt that she's going to be making teams and is going to be a star in the, in the vein of a, I mean, I don't know if she'll have the the international success of Jenny Simpson or Emma Coburn, but she has that ability. If she can develop yeah. on the track, we think she, she will. Um, so I would, it's, it's very hard um, because Sinclair Johnson's going to Bowerman, and we know that if she stays on course, she'll develop into a superstar. Um, you know what? No, screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually take Johnson. She's training with Shelby Houlihan. Uh, I think Johnson's gonna be breaking four minutes within two years, and and just with that 800 speed, and she's she's pretty new. Like she's pretty raw at this too. Like she only developed into like a superstar in the last like year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take her. Yeah. I would say Johnson has the higher, like the higher ceiling. Like the the most, she has more mm. variability of of Jones outcomes. has the higher floor. She, I like this. Yeah, you, you disagree. Um, right now, I mean, just because like we know yeah, Jones yeah, yeah. is like there are there are no questions about Jones. Jones is going to be a rock solid professional. I would be stunned if she doesn't make yeah. a team at one point. But Johnson, you're right, already. Almost, I mean, she was she was a lean away basically from making a a team last year in a ridiculously loaded event that nobody at the beginning of outdoor track season nobody would have said uh, yeah. Sinclair Johnson was going to make that team uh, or even get in the in the top five, and she did it. So I think she has she and and that eight hundred meter speed as well too, and and just now coming on in the latter portion of her collegiate career, I would say the, the range of outcomes is much broader. Whereas Jones just rock solid mm-hmm. all the time. Right? Like boom, boom, Agreed. boom, boom, boom. And I think but who's got the quicker, who has the inside track to making a team. So who's going to make a team year? first. I, yeah. I think it's going to be Johnson. Cause I think, I think Johnson, Johnson is actually a favorite to make a team right now because well, of her decision to go to Bowerman. I I I think she's gonna be right there already because she was already right there coming off a long college season. Well, and just the how the event breaks down too, right? I mean, you we yeah. name you said Jones is probably gonna run the five thousand, which we don't know. You're guessing, and we've established you don't know as much as the coach or the athlete, or, or really 
I mean, more than Gordon probably, and probably yeah. maybe more than one percent more than me. Um, nah, man. but like the five thousand team is going to be super hard to make too. Yeah, I guess I could see. I I'm with you. I think I could see Johnson making a team before Jones yeah. because Jones is going to have to get in front of. Now, assuming these people run these events, which we don't know, but Jones would have to get in front of Schweizer, Purrier, Frazier. Yeah. Is Emily Enfeld is Emily Enfeld going to run the five well, as well too? In an Olympic year, probably. Yeah. Rachel Snyder, um, in the fifteen hundred. Sinclair Johnson, you know, there's Shelby. We already know where she sits in that pecking order, right? We have a good idea because she finished fourth last year in a right. championship year. So that's she yeah. starts off not not to say that she's going to be able to replicate that exactly, but she was fourth. She was just behind Nikki Hiltz in a strong year in the fifteen hundred. So we know where she's at. So I don't think it's a slight on Jones to say that that it's going to be no. a battle for her to try to get on the team. Johnson's already in that conversation right right now. The women's five I mean, this just is, took off. This is the uh, Tua versus Joe Burrow. Sinclair Johnson became Joe Burrow. She was not. She was not a top ten pick, and then all of a sudden, she had a monster year. And she right now in my two person draft is going number one. Whereas Danny Jones had some injury history last year, but is obviously hugely talented. She's the Tua. She's not falling outside the top five. Okay, but who yeah. has the higher ceiling right now? Probably Johnson. Well, I mean, so what if Jones did run the fifteen hundred? It's not crazy to think she could run. No, make of course a, not. I mean, I mean she's run four oh seven. Make a final. She's run four oh seven back when four oh seven was uh, still really fast for a collegiate. I mean, I guess it still is, but when you run four oh five in ninety eight degree heat, as Sinclair Johnson did, that changes the yeah. game a little bit. And later that summer, run four oh three in a U.S. final. Yeah. <laughs> as good so uh no jones can absolutely be there but when you look at somebody running the 1500 after not after missing a final last year and i know she was injured indoors but uh it just makes more sense to me when you look at the cross-country resume to say yeah maybe try that 5000 so but with johnson you said too flat in the eight maybe there's something there too right could you run the 800? Uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely a weaker event internationally. Um, and, and, well, in the U.S., I wouldn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're giving two spots already to Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers. Uh, yeah, I'm just Simpson, saying, if you can run, still great. If, yeah, go ahead. If you can run too flat, you can make a final in the in mm -hmm. the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, I don't imagine she's going to be. I mean, she seems. If you're going to the Bowerman Track Club, I don't think you're going to be running the 800. I know Kate Grace is there, but even Kate Grace has kind of gone to the 1500 and still can't kind of yeah. make up her mind what event she's going to run. Uh, you would think it would be obvious, and you would think these athletes would choose based on their best chance to make a team, but that doesn't seem to be what is often the motivating factor. And, uh, so I I have to think the fifteen hundred. I think she's better at the fifteen hundred. I mean four hundred three to me is better is better than two flat. Uh, I could be wrong, uh, but mm -hmm. uh, I I still think fifteen hundred is going to be her her race. And I mean either way she chooses, she's going to have a real good shot. But I think the fifteen hundred is probably still her best opportunity, and that is where her talents lie. 
Yeah, and I think Jones Jones is legit top ten in both events. Fifteen mm-hmm. and five. It's just a yeah. matter of what what gets you what gets you to top three. Uh, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to listening to this back later and being proven completely wrong next year and being way off base. So, yeah, I don't know. Cold hard takes or whatever. Ice ice cold? No, no. Something cold freezing take, cold, cold takes. takes freezing. There we go. There we go. Uh would you like to do some emails? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's hear what the listeners have to say. Um, this is Tim from Virginia. This is he says this one is going to feature some East Coast bias, so feel free to save it for a day when Gordon is co-hosting. Nope, not going to do it because mm. I don't want to hear Gordon talk about Joel Embiid. Uh, I know Kevin and Lincoln factored an NCAA relay performance into their individual event debates, but they left off the most historic relay competition in the college ranks. All caps: the Penn relays. Granted. When you look at the historic results, there is a heavy northeast slant, especially from the early <laughs> days. I leave these stats here and let you handle the takes. TLDR, LSU, and Villanova are sprint relay U and are, are sprint re- relay U and mid distance relay U. So the women's four by one most titles all time. LSU is twelve most titles since twenty ten. Uh, Texas A and M men's four by one most titles. All time, LSU and TCU are tied with six. Title since 2010, Houston has two. Four by four for women, Texas all time with 12. Texas and Oregon both have three since 2010. Men's four by four, Villanova, most titles all time with 12. Villanova, four by four U. Uh, titles since 2010, AM, Houston, LSU each have two. Women's four by eight, Villanova has the most all time in 14 and the most since 2010 with five. Men's four by eight, Villanova, 20. Penn State has three of them since 2010. Four by 15 for the women. I know your personal favorite. Love the that old, you get, look, Lincoln, you get four people together and you just figure who can cover 6,000 meters the fastest. It's the purest let's, let's do it. portion of sport. Uh, Villanova, 13, and then five since 2010. Men's four by mile. Arkansas, Villanova both have 20 titles, and Oregon has three, the most since tw- – Oregon has three since 2010, which is the most. Um, we should say Gordon did push back on our 400-meter U pick. He really was lobbying hard for Texas A&M due to the depth of their 4x4 because we were factoring relays in, although it wasn't the entire – I don't think it was as much weight as the individual portion. No, we did of bring course up- not. That's well, dumb. we did bring up USC. We did bring up USC men and women having good four by fours in the last year, in addition to individual stars. Um, but I don't care you, how many you, top ten people. I don't care how many times you appear in the top ten list because you ran a fast four by four in April. Like that's not where it's yeah. at. It's it's individual titles. You got to have the the superstars. How many? How many championships in major sports were run with a team without any Hall of Famers? Like, you don't win things without Hall of Famers. USC and Baylor have Hall of Famers. Texas A&M, yeah, they have uh, Fred Curley, and he did it on the individual side. I don't care about 4x4s as far as a legacy of a program. Do it on the individual side. That's a... That's a hot one too. Jessica Beard. You got to be the best. You got to be the best of your era, or else you're not a, a group. I, like you're not a you're not a you're not 400 meter you if you're just winning the relays. I'm sorry. You got to have the individuals shine through. You you just have so you're, to. You're, so you're still putting USC one Baylor two. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
Yes. All right. And to All this right. guy's question, what was the question here? That, that there's a bunch of teams that, well, he's that just, did well. He's just, basically, he's just basically saying you, you got to factor in because people do care about pen relays, right? That's like the one or one of the meets mm -hmm. during the actual regular season that people yeah. seem to be amped for. Although, although the SEC, and I don't know who was the uh, instigator of this. I don't know if Pat Henry just got angry and decided to leave, but they decided to try to knock down the pen relays with these national relay championships mm -hmm. that uh, are still trying to get off the ground. Um, yeah, I pen Good relays. Name, national championships yeah name. well it's got a better name than it's been in an event so far i can tell you that as much yeah it's a shame that we're not seeing as many sec schools go to pen relays um mm -hmm. i don't know again i don't know exactly why that was created and why it was trying to compete with it's, pen expensive. Relays. it's expensive it's expensive to go to pen and all these schools yeah. are getting yeah. new tracks and their athletic departments are like wait sense. why did we build the new track for you to if go fly yeah, to Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, which I think is going to be one thing that's going to change in the new state of collegiate sports post post pandemic or post this current crisis is is a lot more home meets. Mm hmm. If you have to, yeah. if they have to cut down, if they have to cut down costs, uh, I was talking to yeah. one. I was talking to a uh, a coach last. Well, it may have been two years ago, twenty eighteen in the winter at the coaches convention, they told me the number of how, of dollars, how much it costs for them to go to pen relays. And I don't remember the number exactly. Uh, Cause I don't have that good a memory, but I remember being like, wait, what? Like, is that a real, like, that's how much it costs to go. Is it like 20 grand? Weekend? I remember it being more. I remember it being okay, a, well. oh my God, that's a lot of money to go yeah. to a, yeah. to a weekend track meet because that's just, you have to stay in the city. Uh, there's oh, yeah. not that many because you have to be able to go back and forth from the hotel to the venue. Right. So it's mm -hmm. not like you can get a, a hotel that's way far out of town. Um, and then flying there, of course, like it's expensive and you, you're bringing relays, right? So you're bringing multiple, <laughs> yeah. multiple people, probably bringing some alternates. It's expensive it's expensive to put on. So I think we'll see more regional stuff, more dual meets. Um, so things not like necessarily the national a bad thing. No, not bad at all. Like my, one of the most perplexing things of track is when there's a weekend where the track team goes to three different meets. Mm. I think that's not going to happen anymore of like the distance runners are going to Stanford. The sprinters are going to go to LA and the multi events are out in Arizona this week, guys, let's go. Yeah, if if track teams have an individual accountant, it's just that you've got to be screaming when they see yeah. the travel lines. Uh, yeah, I, I would hope you know one of these things that could change would be that, and we maybe specifically those schools with nice tracks could maybe start. To, I understand distance runners need to run in cooler weather and sprinters warmer yeah. and whatever um and i get that so some things will never change but it's funny when you they make track and field schedules for colleges and they make them in the same style of, as they would like a football or basketball schedule and it's like yeah. Yeah. home or away and some schools like it's like wait we have all away meets how does that make any <laughs> sense at all yeah. or we have 17 yeah. home meets in a row like what is going yeah. you know so uh shout out to new mexico yeah, yeah, yeah work yeah. last year yeah. <laughs> Look, 
you can run fast in duels and tri meets. You yeah. can do that. You can do that. You we can. Just... You obviously can do it in short in short events, but and you can do it in suboptimal weather. You just mentioned Sinclair Johnson, four oh what in that ridiculous five and ninety eight degree heat. Yeah, yeah. Think of all the times fast collegiate women have run at Peyton Jordan under the nice cool temperatures with a very very slight barrier breeze, and the two fastest mm-hmm. women in season who have run it came basically when it was cooking in Austin, Texas at what 4 p.m. 4:50 p.m. something I mean, like that. Ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was it was it was, it was yeah. nuts. It was yeah. nuts. So yeah, people can do it. You can do it. A ten thousand, yeah, that's tough, but it's that the the, the trade off of spending a whole bunch of money to fly all the way across the country to trying to figure out something on your own, uh, in your own part of the country, and just having to make do. I think people will adapt and they'll be fine. I would love to get access to some some budget sheets for some track programs that have done these like multiple trips and just how much money they're burning just to have optimal positions for NCAA qualification when you're sending, like you mentioned yeah. athletes all over the country and, uh, or going to pin relays. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm almost happy that some teams are not, not, I mean, pin, I love pin relays and it's produced great memories and it's a meet that deserves to keep going. But when it's, when you're burning so much money, just to participate unfortunately it makes sense to to look for other solutions well that's a name brand meat that's a meat that's on tv i get it you sell it hey we're in the a section of the four by one we're gonna Mm -hmm. get our program on tv because they show the collegiate four by one that to me you know there's some trade-off there versus okay we're gonna fly a distance runner all the way across the country to stanford so that way they can get become the 46th seed it just i mean i i i get why you do it because you that's the game and you got to play it but that to me does not seem as worth it as trying to go to one of these these big name meets be it yeah. mount sack when it comes back drake relays pen relays like those are institutions in any event let's go to jeff he says he was watching some old documentaries of past olympics and it got me thinking of creating a new running event for the olympics road racing time trials here's how the event works it's similar to road cycling time trial events where each athlete lincoln you've seen these they start 90 seconds after the previous athlete and i'll try to complete the distance in the fastest time the distance would maybe be 10k and still keep the 90 second gap between runners since that's exceptionally large what i like about this race idea is it takes out a lot of the racing strategies and instead runners rely on pure strength and guts to run the fastest time while not knowing how your other competitors are doing during the race with it being a race against oneself. Technically there's no sitting behind kicking, no tucking behind someone to the wind, no worrying about getting boxed in and setting yourself up for the final kick. You have to run all out and hope for the best open to suggestions on changes. Would love to hear y'all's thoughts. That is Jeff. Jeff, Jeff wants track and field to take longer, which I applaud him for zagging where (laughs) everyone else is trying to zig. Um, Also, I just don't know when as a world we decided that, we hated tactics. Like I know we want to see them go all out, but that's not changing anytime soon. And it makes things fun. It's why Leo Manzano has a silver medal. And in likely all likelihood, it's why Matthew Centrowitz has a gold. Like it's tactics make things more interesting. That is why in baseball, everyone doesn't just throw a, even the guys who can throw hundred miles an hour don't every single pitch, not only because it is going to help save their arm in some instances, 
but it's called tactics because you want to throw people off. And that's what that does. Um, now, his idea for this to be like a time trial to set up the way like a, a, a next, I forget how how they call it in racing, but they Would do the Bernard time trials. Would Bernard be a good pitcher? Uh, Would Jenny Simpson be a good pitcher? I mean, t- I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the tactics people here. Um, Didn't possibly. Mariano Rivera just go in and throw 100 every single time? Is that what, no, like, no, that no. What he, had like a, he had like one pitch. I mean, that's a Raldis Chapman you're thinking of. Um no, Mariano Rivera had like one pitch that he threw the entire time, so that kind of throws off my narrative. But, but yeah, I'm starters, I'm thinking starters. Your Garrett Coles, he doesn't just come in and throw 98 the entire time. He throws in. I think it's because some breaking balls. <clears throat> People see swimming when they're watching the Olympics. People see the sprints when they're watching the Olympics, and they're like, "Oh, okay, everybody's just going flat out." That makes sense. They're not watching. Have you seen those absurd like track cycling races where they're like inching along at half a mile an hour? And then I don't, I don't really know how it works, but at some point somebody goes and then they do the, uh, that's the, that's the parody. That's the, but it's always going to be fast. At some point it's going to be fast. Like that's, did you enjoy, this is a litmus test. Let me ask you this. Did you like that? Speaking of pen relays race between Oregon with Cesarek and Villanova that year. Did you like that? Yeah, I mean, my position on it has changed a little bit th- throughout the years. Uh, I mean, it of course is farcical. I mean, they're, it's so slow that it's basically a walk at one point. Uh, but I don't think of that when I think of extreme tactical races. I think my my really the one I think of the most is the Matt Centrowitz 350 race at the in the Rio Olympic final. I mean, that's comically slow in some extents in some p- points of the race. It's not. I don't think in the top level we're ever going to see people speed walking. Um, and th- that's race when it comes down to it is, is insignificant. I mean, it doesn't really matter who wins five years on, like no one really cares. Um, right. And th- that type of race is so few and far, be- far between that it's not necessary to point to that as like an example of why tactical running is quote unquote ruining the sport because it's not because you just see that so few and far between. Um, I, I just don't think tactical running is something that we need to concern ourselves with. It's always going to be a thing and it's never going to, I don't think get to the point where we walk the first three laps and then sprint the last three and three quarters or three, three quarters of a lap. It's just, it's never going to get that bad. Uh, to answer your question. Yes, I did like that race. Cause it was, you remember it and it was, it, it was, you know, no one wanted to take the lead and that's just as a part of racing. Um, now, to his point, yeah, I don't think we're going to add things that are going to slow down track and field more. We don't need to slow it down. And, um, but would it be cool to have a thing where in like a 5,000, we start in, you, you, you know, if, you're, if your time trial was five seconds faster, you get to start five seconds ahead of the next person? That's pretty cool. So there's some things I like well, on, and some things I don't. On a road, it'd be interesting to see just like, like a road racing experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool thing about <clears throat> the cool thing about track um, that separates it, at least from something like swimming, is that you put everybody together, right? Yeah. Road racing, like you want to see them shoulder to shoulder, like you want to see that element of it. And I think that's what that's obviously a difference between that and even the hundred or the two hundred. Yes, they're shoulder to shoulder, but they're they're having to run in lanes. This is yeah. they're interacting way more with the competition. Exactly. There's exactly in, in, in sprinting in sprinting and in hurdles. There's not as much interaction with the competition because you can literally bump into somebody and uh, have it be fair play, especially on the yeah. roads. Right. That's that's mm-hmm. that's part of it. Um, 
I remember watching those cycling time trials back when I would watch the Tour de France, and they were always they were the little hats. Well, yeah, you're wearing your arrow helmet, or they but it was always helmet. interesting. The speed helmet, maybe. But like all you're looking for, it's like bobsled. All you're looking for is at the time checkpoints. Does it say minus mm-hmm. two seconds or does it say plus two seconds? It's very, it's very weird to watch because you're literally yeah. just. I mean, talk about obsession. People go, I think, too far with the tracks too concerned with times. Take sometimes, but that one would definitely be the sake, uh, the situation where it's like, okay, this is all just about pure pure times and no human versus human competition. Uh, yeah. I do think. Iliad Kipchoge would be good at this, though. Just uh, yeah, I've got a good feeling he would do do well at this uh, as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would of course watch it. I think you can be on both sides. You can like tactical running and you can like time trials. Like I like them both, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like picking between your children. Of course, in the back of your head, you have an answer. You know which kid you like more, but. If you're going to be public with it, I say I love time trials and I love tactical races the same, but I like tactical racing more. I like, I actually like organic racing. I know that makes me sound weird, but, uh, and, and gluten free like hipster, but free range racing is what I like. Yeah. Um, cage free, all that stuff. I like it when it just, when you don't have a rabbit in there and it forms its own identity. Because yeah. oftentimes you get races like you did in Doha with Chariot and Hassan, where it's both, or Rudisha in 2012, where it's both fast and interesting, right? Or it's fast, and now the, the, all those races weren't particularly close, but those were non rabbited things where people just realized they had a huge advantage and then went for it. Yeah. Uh, there's been situ like the perfect storm, right? Is you want to see a race be fast. You want to see them push push the entire way, them go to their limits, but you also want to see it be competitive. And sometimes that happens. But yeah. when you have it in a uh, – when you add in outside elements that are not free range, that are GMO, then you get races that I find a little less – like I already was kind of down on the Diamond League 1500 the last couple of years because it was just so cut and paste with Chariot winning. I'm going to be especially down yeah. now because the dude doesn't need a rabbit. He proved in Doha. He does not need a rabbit. Save your money. Give it to somebody. Donate it. Also, I mean, Bram Psalm's retired. He's the best rabbit. So anybody he gets not going to be as good. Like, we don't need that. Timothy Cherry can do it by himself, just like Semenya proved. She can do it by herself. Yeah. I mean, I will be interested to see if Chariot can maybe scare 326 flat. But um, when you can run 329 in a final by yourself, that – Yes. Bodes yeah. well for how fast you can go. Um, but who knows? I mean, I think this period could change a lot of things. I mean, David Rudisha, I was just trying to look up the article, but my internet connection, not good right here, apparently. Uh, David Rudisha on the comeback trail said he was going to be ready for 2020. Okay. Uh, and uh, But this, quor- this period will not uh, affect his ability to come back. Believe it or, or not. <laughs> Yeah, that's – I don't know his training situation. I don't know what it's like in other countries. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's just hard to tell. All right, two more here. This one is from Kurt. He's talking about the impossible games. What should the Inga Britsons do with the impossible games? 
He says they should take a run at the impossible 3,000 or two-mile record from Daniel Komen. They could push each other pretty hard. It would be interesting to see how close they could get. As an aside, they could make sure to go after the Norwegian 2K record of 501.48 by Marius Bakken in 2003. They could just knock. So those are two extremes. You could either knock out an extremely attainable Norwegian record right. or right. – Go for a Coleman, well, one of the Coleman records, which is one of the the hardest. Did he run like seven fifty eight? I think it's less. I mean, the the three K was seven twenty, right? <laughs> That's just disturb. That's disgusting. That is. Yeah. Just have you seen that video? Disgusting. Watch that video uh, if you get a chance. No, I don't think I have seen it. Why? That's that's Kevin's recommendation for Lincoln. Why? Why should you watch it? Um. Sometimes you have a hard time as a track fan I grasping how quick someone is going, but he's going so fast that you yeah. can tell, and yeah. it just looks ridiculous. Now, maybe it's because the distance he's running and the pace he's running, maybe it's because it's on a track and it's not on the road or something, because I get it, Elliot Kipchoge is doing something nuts. There's just something about watching that Komen race where you're just it doesn't look real when he's running it. Just that's my recommend. I'm giving you one recommendation a week. Last okay. week it was Kathy Freeman. This week, watch Daniel Komen's. That's been like two weeks ago. And I did. I just want to say I did watch the Kathy Freeman race. I had seen it before, but I did watch the entire thing. Uh, and it's funny since we've talked about in an email talked about uh, annoyance at the long introductions. That one takes the cake for long introductions. That was like twelve minutes of introduction. Uh, but the race mm -hmm. itself kind of reminded me of Noah Lyles in the 200 this past fall at the World Championships. You know, Freeman was the massive favorite. Didn't necessarily yeah. have her best, best race, but she pulled it off. Uh, I think the pressure can get to the greats sometimes, but, you know, the good, yeah. the, the great ones manage to figure out a way to to still get it done. No, that one is a is a – that was a good recommendation, so I will check out the, the Daniel Komen. I, I have been trying to fit in – looking back at some Olympic races. And I will say credit to World Athletics. They are um, uh, starting replaying and then archiving a lot of the races from the 2019 World Championships and, you know, the field events too. And yesterday they posted the women's marathon. And at dinner, I just put it on to start it out with just to see what it was like. Because I know I was there, but, you know, I haven't watched the video back to see. <laughs> And so it starts with that long pan of the corniche at night. And my son started watching it and he's like, what movie is this? It does. <laughs> it, it looks like the beginning of a superhero movie. And he, you know, he was interested. Uh, and then uh, the, showed athletes the warming up. They were warm. Yeah. They were warming up and doing like, you know, heel kicks. And, and he was like, what are they doing? And then, I don't know. We got distracted. So I made it like the first couple minutes. But I'm glad to see some races. If you want to, you can watch a whole bunch of old track and field on on the old YouTube or flowtrack.org. That's also a good uh, resource I've heard of as well. So uh, plenty there for us. And I, I think we found as a nation overall that you know rewatching sporting events not as not as bad as we thought. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So Coleman's 720 was in Rieti in 1996. Uh, you're right on the two mile. Seven fifty eight. By the no. way, seven fifty eight. But but Lincoln, he ran seven fifty eight twice. Once in ninety seven, and then once in ninety eight. So Good. I'm sure those videos, I'm sure those clips look equally as ridiculous. But the idea of back to back 
miles under four minutes um, yeah. is just nuts. But the one so I, what the one they, I, yeah, yeah, I was the one that comes to mind to me is the seven twenty. The no, Ingebrigtsen's, yeah, yeah. the the Ingebrigtsen's, they're already big into teamwork anyway, right? They essentially mm-hmm. did it in the five thousand meter final in Doha, which was nuts. Mm-hmm. I think to, I, I would hope, but who's ever in the best shape between Lil Britson and Middle Britson, Jacob and Philip, they should try to tow along to a, a a fast time, and the the maybe, maybe it's the two thousand. That seems a little short. I mean, what's the Norwegian? Who has the Norwegian three K record? Does one of them have the Norwegian three K? I mean, they 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 could get imagine. something quick. They could get yeah. something quick between the three of them. They could create a fast, a fast but race. Are they um, social distance? But, are the Britsons distancing between each other? How's this working? I, I guess Norway doesn't each other, have, don't they? Okay, they have a massive compound. Yeah, it's just a huge. What's their you garden saw, looking Le- like these days? Uh, are they keeping say, up with their saw, garden? You saw La Villanese garden. And he has his runway in there. The Ingebrigtsen's, I'm assuming, just have a track. They have an can indoor I, is, track. Is La Villanese house up for like an Airbnb? Can I send spend a weekend at the La Villanese uh, Charter Day Stadio? They had that little day. thing on. They had the little thing on. The so side. I almost made a, a joke house. about that little, like it looked like a wine cellar edition. I almost made a yeah. joke in my article because that, like, what are they doing inside that? Are they making fine cheeses? Yeah. Are they? Are they churning yeah, yeah, yeah. butter? Is is yeah. that uh, his office space? Like, what 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 exactly is going on in that little hut that he's built on to his home? It looks pleasant. It looks pleasant. It All right, we got one more here. We got one more from uh, from Joe. We re- you guys read his email last week on the pod, but you guys screwed it up, which I wasn't there, so not surprised. He says, uh, "I want to clear something up about his email. I wasn't saying he's was talking about the Nike." that that dual meet right um and you guys presented it as sponsor versus another sponsor and he said i wasn't saying it would be nike versus new balance versus adidas etc because like you said many of these brands aren't sponsoring people in each event my idea was nike versus all those other brands combined so it would look maybe something like this so nike versus the world which was clearly written in his last email i apologize my apologies joe Um, well gordon read it so what do you expect yeah yeah so in the men's hundred Nike would be Coleman, Rogers, Gatlin, and then Team Other, Lyles, DeGrasse, Sambine, which they represent Adidas, Puma, Adidas. Men's Pole Vault, Kendricks, Lisek, Braza Silva. Others would be Mondo, Lavillany, Nilsson, Puma, Puma, Adidas. Um, He says, I know know Nilsson isn't technically sponsored since he's in college, but he goes to Adidas school, so I counted it. So I think I'll Nike. Be... I thought Lavillani was Nike. No, didn't he switch? Nobody. Oh, he might be. Anyway, he switch. Whatever. Point I being, know. it'd be pretty. It'd be pretty close, right? It would be. Yeah. Okay. I mean, very, very competitive. You talk about the that hundred would just look like a hundred final. I mean, so it's not bad. Yeah, be saying saying who'd win basically, and and obviously in the bolt probably era, Nike you're still. getting probably still Nike. You, well, well, but I mean. Bolt era, you're getting five points every time in the hundred, and then five points every time in the two hundred. Yeah, uh, you're getting Van Niekerk's five points. You're getting Radish's. I mean, none of those are Nike. Um, women's side of things, right now, Safan Hassan's obviously giving Nike a bunch of points. Um, yeah, Ajay Wilson, Adidas. There you go. Castor Semenya would have been Nike. Shawnee Miller, 
Mm, Adidas. Okay. Okay. What's um, uh, what's Nasser's Nike? I'm guessing Nike. Yeah, yeah. I mean hurdles, four meter hurdles. Muhammad, Muhammad, Sydney. That's that becomes yeah, yeah. Nike versus New Balance there. Uh, sure. High hurdles. Kenny Harrison, Adidas, Nia Ali, Nike. Okay. Ben's hurdles. Holloway, Adidas. There you go. It'd be interesting. Robert It'd be interesting. Nike. Yeah. Field, yeah, yeah. Field events. Uh, field. A little more troublesome on the field event side, I would say. A lot of Nike. Yeah. Yeah, except some of those you know, people like Mondo, who are like the one superstar from their country, they might be able to. Uh, sometimes they they get a, a, a like an ASIC sponsorship out, out of it randomly, right? That's true. Yeah, I would still yeah. lean towards Nike, um, but I could see Gordon should score this instead it. of scoring. Oh, the Bowerman Track Club tallied two hundred ninety-seven points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could just yeah, you could score it at a score it at a world championships or something. Uh, yeah, and t- in an upset, team other picked up the win against Nike. A big victory for seventeen other brands. I like it. It's got a good ring to it. Team other it does sounds good. Really rolls off the tongue. All right, that's it for today's episode hope everybody enjoyed it thank you everybody for writing in as always you can email the show flow track podcast at gmail.com leave us a review if you can if you're listening on apple podcasts or one of those other audio podcast platforms spotify google play etc flowtrack.org slash flowtrack podcast has all the archive episodes so you could be like hey what did lincoln say in week three of no track versus what did he say in week five you can you can find it all there lincoln yeah, people don't need to know that because I'm sure my position has changed several times. So point it out and call me out. I'm fine with that. All right. Tomorrow will be a Lincoln and Gordon episode. So buckle up, folks. They will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>